Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? The most important Saturday of 2022 is now upon us, Amy. Okay, you're going to have to tell me why. Well, I mean, it's the U.S. versus the Netherlands in the World Cup. Okay. We made it through. Where are we in the World Cup? I don't even know. Oh, gosh, Amy. You're, you're hurting my feelings here. We made it out of the first round. <laughs> so, yay. Only half the teams make it out of the first round. So 32 teams, 16 go home, and we're one of the 16 that have moved on to the knockout stages. So it's a w- winner go home now. No ties anymore. Winner go home. That's it's American that's now. Exciting. Yeah. Um. Can you can you hear my can you hear the excitement in my voice? You're going to have to tell actually. me what's going on. I know when we win, everybody gets excited. Well, tomorrow morning um, we're recording this on Friday, so tomorrow morning at uh-huh. what, 10 a.m. Eastern, Fox. You need to watch. Get a big group okay. at the house. Sit down. Put the dogs in American gear. Root against the Dutch. So this was funny. So at at the summit. Now I was out of town on, on um was it Tuesday? Yeah. Tuesday. Um I was out of town, but I saw cuz we have a we have Slack channels and stuff. So I saw this playing out in Slack that um when uh in the World Cup matches we'll have a group that like sets up in the middle school and in the middle school room and they'll like just put it up there and people bring their laptops or whatever and be able to work. And I've gone in there not really paying attention to the match. I just have to be honest, but it like it's, it just gives you a place to kind of work with everybody and um, hang out a little bit. So uh, there was an event like a Summit Institute was meeting in there and it went on Slack where somebody said, okay, Summit Institute is supposed to end right at two. So we're all going to gather outside the door and we have to stay really quiet and no one get impatient. We're just going to gather out there. And I could just picture this whole group of people like waiting, <laughs> just standing. Faces like, painted, scarves, like, get, flags, the whole get thing. Get this meeting over. <laughs> yeah, get this meeting over with, you know. And um, I know everybody's really excited because we got some, I got soccer fans in my life, but we'll see. We'll see. So this is a big milestone for me in this yeah. recording. Y- your background looks different. Eh? For all of those watching at home. That's right. We've been working on a home on a home office project for me, and it finished this week. And so I'm moving my books in here and all this, but I'm a, I'm actually recording in my new home office. And it's uh, you've already commented uh, before we started recording that the acoustics are pretty good, and then. For those listening, I just asked you about, uh, yeah, I just asked you right before we recorded. I said, can you hear the barking dog? Because there is, I can hear, there is a dog that's barking out there and you could not. So this could be a change. And depending on our listeners, what, if you like the barking dog, if you like the appearances from Coco and we go, that's not to say they'll never come run up to the door here and bark, but it may be a little bit different. Yeah. So. And I'm pretty excited. It to only have a took space. you 408 episodes to to get where the dogs wouldn't bark in the right. background. Right, that's right. But typically, I'm like on a couch somewhere, or I'm sitting. And when I work around the house, I just am like carrying. You know, maybe I'm at the kitchen table or whatever. But today, I'm in my office. All right. Well, hey, let's jump into our show this week. Enough about the World Cup, but yeah, it has been exciting. Germany, Belgium, Mexico, all going home. The U.S. moving on because America. 
onto the show this week. Uh, some weeks we have slow news weeks. This is not one of them. Uh, big statement from Bart and Barbara earlier in this week related to a video that popped up online. Uh, so we'll just jump right up into it. If you're listening to this, you've seen this online already. There was a video announcement by four pastors, Mark Hoover of New Spring Church in Wichita, Kansas, Mike Whitson, First Baptist Church, Indian Trail, North Carolina, Stephen Kyle of Highland Park Baptist in Panama City, and Benny Tate of Rock Springs Church in Milner, Georgia. So those four put out a video on uh, last week or so, actually, stating that they had been counseling former SBC President Johnny Hunt, and had and he had completed a four-month, quote, restoration process and was fit to return to ministry Bart Barber issued a statement on Wednesday, basically saying, not so fast, my friend. Yeah, well, and what he essentially said was that he doesn't have any authority in this situation. Yes. Um, but he was also saying that from a convention standpoint, these four uh, pastors, there's not real authority. These are four pastors who are making this statement based on their perception. And then Bart just sort of gave kind of some statements that, had been some statements and actions from the convention itself over the last few years and expressed his thoughts and concern, you know, in, in the process. Yeah. And a two page statement referencing the video that uh, surfaced online. And we got the link to that in the show notes and everything. It said Baptist press. Bart said, quote, I would permanently defrock Johnny hunt if I had the authority to do so in a fellowship of autonomous churches. I do not have the authority to do so yet. It must be said that neither of those four pastors have the authority to declare Johnny hunt to be quote restored. They do not speak for the Southern Baptist convention. Indeed, it is not clear that they even speak for their own churches for those Southern Baptist churches who practice ordination and ministry. The authority to ordain is generally considered to arise from the congregation, but no indication has been given that any of these four congregations have consented to or given their authority to his process. Also, Jeremy Morton and First Baptist Woodstock have explicitly stated that they had nothing to do with this process. The First Baptist Woodstock, where Johnny was for a long time, pastor there for more than 25 years. Back to the statement. Although Johnny Hunt's church membership has apparently been at Highland for several months now, First Baptist Woodstock is a church in which the offensive actions took place. The idea that a council of pastors assembled with the consent of the abusive pastor possesses some authority to declare the pastor fit for resume ministry is a conceit that is altogether absent from Baptist polity and from the witness of the New Testament. Indeed, it is repugnant to all that those sources extol and represent. So, strong words from Southern Baptist president. Yeah, and it, I mean, when that statement came out, and, and several people had already been commenting on social media, but um, that ga gathered momentum, and there were a lot of folks that shared the same sentiment. And right at the time, so the video, I think, had come out about a week ago, but RNS did a story, Bob Smetana did a story about the video that dropped, I think, on Monday, which allowed, uh, which kind of gave it some more traction. A lot of people saw it. And at the same time, yeah, I think a, it was Tuesday. an event. Amy, I'm sorry. Okay, it was, was it Tuesday? Yeah. Sorry. Um, I can't keep track of all the yeah, things. It was, a quite, it was a crazy week. We have another story that dropped on Monday. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Right. Right. So there was a preaching conference that was coming up that's hosted by a church, Fellowship Church in Immokalee, Florida. And the preaching conference, uh, the Timothy Pig is the pastor there, and he had put out a promotion about the preaching conference, and Johnny Hunt was listed as a speaker. And that was at the same time that this story dropped on RNS. So folks are learning about the video and then seeing a speaking engagement. And it just kind of all together the response came pretty fast. And then you had the statement from Bart Barber. 
And then by the end of the day on uh, Wednesday, the church in Immokalee, um, Timothy Pig released a statement that just announced his decision that I think we're, you know, we're not going to move forward with this. So there's been a lot that transpired in a couple of days. And again, you know, structurally, there's not really, when it comes to the convention, there's not really a mechanism for the convention to say, hey, there's a green light for this, or for the convention to say, from the executive committee or from any place to say this can happen, this can't happen. But the voices of the people kind of came together and, and expressed yes. we're there. We've got real concerns yeah. about this. And so we sort of saw that in action this week. And the ones who were speaking out were the ones that have been most involved in the convention's actions toward reform. You know, you had ARTA, right. the abuse reform implementation task force chairman, Marshall Blaylock, saying on Twitter that this kind of, quote, restoration works against abuse prevention efforts and harms those who have suffered abuse. And you've also got Bruce Frank, who chaired the Sexual Abuse Task Force, saying that the video showed, quote, no fruits of repentance and was, quote, just four friends spending a few months with him and now using platitudes to saying he's fit to proceed. So a lot of fallout from this and the uh, event down in Immokalee, Florida, uh, just part of that. Right. So that has been the kind of talk of the convention this week, in addition to the other story that we've got, where kind of related to the Sex Abuse Task Force report, David Sills was one of the uh, the people mentioned in that, and he has filed a defamation suit against the SBC, Jennifer Lyle, and about nine or ten other people in uh, connection to the Guidepost Solutions report. Yeah, so the story is at Baptist Press. There's been some other media coverage of that as well, but... Uh, someone asked me about it the other day, and I sent the Baptist Press story to say, like, like here, here's the best explanation of it. Well, thank you. Yeah. We have covered, obviously, this this story for the last couple of years on the podcast as far as the, um, the situation surrounding Jennifer Lyle and David Sills. And so this is just another, another step in that. As you mentioned, there were several people named. So then those that are named are organizations and individuals are the Southern Baptist Convention, Ed Litton, Bart Barber, Willie McLaurin, Roland Slade, Jennifer Lyle, uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Albert Moeller, Lifeway, Eric Geiger, and Guidepost Solutions. And so uh, this this defamation suit, so defamation, essentially what you have to, to demonstrate, they lied, they knew they were lying, and they did it to harm. Yeah. And so that's the claim that is is happening. And so it it obviously is making that allegation about the abuse allegations it's themselves, like that kind of began the whole thing. Um, it also kind of goes into some allegations of a like a, a pretty uh, elaborate conspiracy on the part of those individuals mm-hmm. that were named, um, e- even indicating that the guidepost report itself was just about that one case and was designed. Said it gave, quote, a particular focus on a disproportionate page space dedicated to Lyle's statements against Sills. Right. So so it's it's a pretty in-depth lawsuit. There have been several, you know, responses. From the SBC standpoint, there was a statement 
from special counsel Gene Beeson that said the SBC executive committee is still evaluating the specious allegations within the complaint. We intend to vigorously defend ourselves from this troubling attempt to recast an accused perpetrator as the victim of an imaginary conspiracy. We look forward to our day in court. The Southern Seminary, um, Dr. Moeller said, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary has followed best practices in this matter and has nothing to hide. We will make this truth clear in any forum necessary and will do so vigorously. The Additionally, there's been some you know, discussions about, uh, cause it was filed in the state of Alabama yeah, in Mobile, right in Mobile, Alabama. Now, I mean, the, the explanation was to say, well, there, you know, it was a former SBC president that's located in Mobile. Uh, but it's, there's a lot of questions about yeah. that. And, and so where the venue is, things like that, yeah. but it's a, I mean, there's some pretty strong statements on both sides on it and every side, both in the suit itself. And then the response to it from some of the defendants to say, we're ready to go. So I, I don't know what's coming next. I think what's clear is that um, we will be covering this some more because uh, we're going to have, there will be news it, down the road sure. related to this. Probably after the first year, by the way. It, it, I doubt anything right. will happen between now and the end of the year, just knowing how these legal filings, how long they take and everything. Um, so, right. yeah, probably first, right. first of the year. But this is, I mean, yeah, but, you know, we, we need to speak honestly and transparently. This is something that, as as we just talked about, those organizations, I mean, this is, we, we I was was working with you during a lot of this, but we want, we're always committed to cover these things on the podcast. And so we will continue to cover, we will update listeners on what's going on with this. Yes. So two big stories this week and uh, both kind of dropped to the first part of the week and, you know, really important as the convention decides, you know, what does the future look like as it relates to sex abuse and in the, in the convention and how are we going to, to handle claims of sex abuse, allegations of sex abuse, and, and as well as those who allegations arise against. So we'll kind of keep an eye on this and both of these stories. Yeah. So I want to say, I think that makes that makes this really tough because we've, we're seeing two major stories this week. These are new developments in these situations, and we're going to have to walk through this. We're going to have to, everybody, we're going to have to walk through this together. And it's important that we are committed that the truth come out. Yeah. So as we jump into a few of these state convention meeting recaps, Amy, we're going to start in Georgia. And we've talked about sex abuse and how the states are going to be handling those in their respective areas. Georgia, they had a report from their task force and announced that they are planning to set up a telephone hotline by early next year for people to report cases of sexual abuse in, within the state. So they met in Augusta, Georgia, with 1,250 people present, 978 messengers. They heard reports from their special committee on the prevention of sex abuse, uh, including that recommendation to put in basically a hotline. They approved a $41.2 million cooperative program budget. $12.8 million will be passed on to national CP efforts. Uh, that allocation is unchanged from this past year. So officers elected at the Georgia Baptist Convention meeting was uh, Pastor Josh Safecow was elected as president. He's the uh, pastor in Fayetteville. He is at Flat Creek Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Georgia. And Amy, as we always know, Georgia has four vice presidents that they elect. Robert Torres, pastor of Iglesia Bautista, Victoria, and Cristo, 
was voted as first vice president. Anthony Wilson, who's the bivocational pastor of Church 180 in Hampton, was elected second vice president. Steve Taylor, lead pastor of McConnell Memorial in Hiawassee as third vice president. And David Lambert, pastor at First Baptist in Thompson, was elected fourth vice president. So the 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 Georgia leadership succession train is set. Quite a line of succession there. <laughs> they are prepared. So that's Georgia over to the Northwest. All right. So Northwest um, met at the Great Wolf Lodge near C- Centralia, Washington. Man, that so best location so far. Got to tell you that yeah. I've seen. Yeah. It was their 75th annual meeting. They had 297 registered messengers. They adopted a $3,900,000 budget and then approved a $150,000 goal for next year's Northwest Impact Mission Offering. That budget is slightly down. Last year, it was $3,980,000, so just down just a little bit. The shared ministries portion anticipates uh, $2,790,000 in cooperative program gifts from Northwest Baptist churches. 20% of that will be forwarded to the Southern Baptist Convention um, for disbursement for national and international causes. They uh, they reelected their current slate of officers. Dan Panter of McKenzie Road Baptist Church in Olympia, Washington, uh, is president again. Brian Bernard of Redemption Church in Corvallis, Oregon, first vice president, and Chad Harms of Creekside Bible Church, second vice president. Sounds like they had a good time. There's a, a picture and uh, that. That shows a mother and son that were reading a passage of scripture during the closing sessions. And when I saw it, it's a really sweet picture, but also what I thought was, I bet he had a good time at Great Wolf Lodge. Yeah, I know. So, Mom, it's a good, I, it's I a good will one. volunteer as tribute to go with you to the meeting. Yes. That's right. That's will, right. It's a good one to bring to go, the kids. Mom. Yeah. Good one to bring so, the kids. So yeah. there you go. Now, come on over to my former state convention. SBCV. Yeah. Take it away, Jonathan. I'm I'm coming home because it's homecoming. That's right. Where the SBCV that's that's the name of their their annual meeting every year, folks. They don't call it the annual meeting; they call it homecoming. So that's right. It's one of the things it was that it, we, in we know here. Yes, is in Roanoke. Yeah, that's right. Roanoke. Yeah, that was my. It was always my favorite. Was in Roanoke. Wow. When it when it was there, you had favorites. Well, why favorite here's, in Roanoke? Here's the reason. We're we're way off track here. Well, go ahead. Yeah, it was my favorite. So it alternates every year that it's in like uh, over toward like it, it would be in rich at a church in Richmond or in uh, the Hampton Roads area. And then it would move to Roanoke. So it kind of would alternate back and forth for different parts of the state. So when it was in Richmond or Hampton Roads, we could we'd take people from our church, but you'd drive up for the night or for the, like for the evening just for that session. And then you go home and then the next day you get up and go up. Because uh, we lived close enough to Richmond, but when it was in Roanoke, we would have to go and stay. And if you remember correctly, that's when I was a mom of preschoolers, and uh, it was just a it was a lot going on. And so when it was in Roanoke, like a grandparent would come oh. and stay with the kids, and then we would go get a couple of nights in Roanoke oh. and to be there. So Roanoke was always my favorite year. So it was, and it's it was in the more about neglecting your parental, parental duties than anything. Um, I would not say it that way, Jonathan, at okay. all. All right. But well. 
but I loved it in Roanoke and it was the, the mountains and it's a pr- really pretty, pretty town. So it's always my favorite, my favorite year. All right. Okay. Well, we're in Roanoke yeah. this year and SBC right. church, SBCV churches gave $50,000 in donations to local pregnancy centers to help them with uh, ultrasounds and building an ultrasound room. So that's kind of cool. Something they did at the annual meeting there, their homecoming meeting. And they also had more than a thousand messengers and 1300 people in attendance on Sunday and Monday nights. So great attendance there in Virginia and 2022, they celebrated a financial, a record financial year with more than 9.8 given through the cooperative program in the SBCV. They also had 4 million in change in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and their Annie Armstrong Easter offering was almost 1.25 million. So a huge giving year in the SBCV. They also approved a $10.1 million budget for this next year with 51% being moved on to national and international cooperative program ministries. And they elected by unanimous approval for a second term, Stan Paris, the pastor of Franklin Heights Church in Rocky Mountain, Virginia as president, Joey Anthony, pastor of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Colonial Heights, Virginia as first vice president, Felix Sermon, pastor of Grace International Christian Church in Springfield, Virginia, was named second vice president, and Jason Taylor, pastor of Beulah Baptist in Kent Store, Virginia, was named secretary. So that is all for the state meetings this week, Amy, and I think, I think he says, this you might be the last it? one. Yeah. So, so SBCV, and I just, I dropped this link to you, had a, did a nice little four minute highlight video, so they get to actually, you know, you can kind of see some of the oh, highlights of okay. what, cool. what happens. So if you want to put that in the show notes, you should. All right. We'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then people can see, can see that. Well, some good news to round out our news this week, Amy, there's a church in Lake Charles, Louisiana, Trinity Baptist church, former home of Jonathan Howe, by the way, uh, at this church, uh, that we had a chance to go. go to when we were down at Scott and I went to the Louisiana Baptist convention meeting in Alexandria, Louisiana. We actually stayed in the Lake Charles area. And since I know a lot of these folks who ran into them at the meeting, they're like, Hey, you ought to come by, see the new place. Cause they've had all the hurricanes and everything. And they've rebuilt a lot of stuff and it, it looks fantastic. They've done a fantastic job there getting back to normal, so to speak, after the hurricanes that have just pounded the Lake Charles area. But a cool thing is because of the outreach that the church has done, because of all this disaster relief in the area, they have seen an explosion of people coming to faith in Christ. 58 weeks in a row, Amy. They've had at least one baptism. 58 weeks. Wow. That's a lot. That's amazing. That's a lot. Yeah, and it shows the impact that disaster relief can make, like the that it's that it's not just meeting needs, but we're actually like people are sharing the gospel and and things are happening uh, as they do that. Yeah, it's a great story, Amy, and just uh, excited for our friends down there at Trinity Baptist Church in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And, uh, you know, having baptism one week is something for a church to celebrate, obviously, any week. But for 58 weeks, I mean, that's just, I I can't, that's just wild. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So very cool. All right, last bit of news, Amy, a big welcome to the IMB's new Hispanic Church Mobilization Strategist, Anel Robanya. He comes to the IMB after serving as the intercultural missionary for the Alabama State Baptist Board of Missions. So coming from Alabama, in his role in Alabama, he created a team of seven individuals from diverse backgrounds to help minister to ethnic groups in Alabama. Together, that team hosted the first all-nations youth camp in Alabama and and created a network of Hispanic youth leaders, intercultural youth leaders, and intercultural pastors. 
as well as others. So he's going to come on to the IMB uh, to work with the 3,390 Hispanic congregations across the Southern Baptist Convention to mobilize pastors and church members to reach the nations with the gospel. So congratulations and welcome to the IMB, Anel Rabanya. All right. Very cool. Yep. So good to see that uh, from the IMB. And uh, I think that's going to do it for our news this week, Amy. And bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go to 1959. And uh, it's a, a story that is similar to something that we've covered before. It's also a state convention story. Um, so Floyd Looney, he was an editor, um, but also a preacher was at the Southern Baptist General Convention of California, which would be now like the California Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, he his car got broken into. And when, uh, when he got out, he saw that the car had been broken into. All of his clothes had been stolen. So I don't know if he had a suitcase in there, exactly what. And 40 years worth of sermon outlines and notes. Uh-huh. We're back. He, so we got another... <laughs> It's a serial sermon thief, Amy. We got another sermon thief. We've uh, we've done this before. Um, it says since the clothes were missing too, Looney is convinced it was a professional burglar rather than some friend desperate for next Sunday's sermon outline. Meantime, editor Looney is preaching without notes and is spending spare time trying to remember what he has preached about for the last four decades. I have so many questions. Can I, can I, I just, have a lot of questions. Can I just say the first thing is that what? don't worry about what you preached in the past. Worry about what you're preaching next. And, and like, why, why are you like, I don't know. Well, maybe he's trying to make sure he doesn't preach it again. I don't really know. Uh, but here are some of the questions that I have. Maybe he's if using I them as like ask, commentary or reminding, you know, like he's got things right. about pieces. It, okay. It, it, if I could ask Floyd right. Looney today, I, I would want to know. Why did you have 40 years worth of sermon notes in the car? Oh, okay. All right. That's that's the first question. And then 40 right. years of sermon notes. All right. Let's just think through this. Just do the quick math, Amy. That's 2,000 sermons on a minimum. Right. right? Ish. Okay. What does yeah. 2,000 sermon outlines look like like physically? That That seems right. like quite a bit. I mean, it had to be in like that's big not boxes. like in one. That's not like in like one little you know briefcase, right? So why so why were they in the car? The second question I do have is the. I mean, they think it was just a break in because the clothes were taken as well. I mean, did they? Did somebody just break in and just like start just taking boxes because they don't know what it is? It seems they like they must you have would been look. in briefcases. They must have been in briefcases. They're thinking, oh, heavy briefcases that are locked. They must be full of money. I, I don't know. Now, maybe maybe the burglar then opened them up and maybe maybe they, they heard the gospel from them. I don't know. They I don't know. And if repented they and turned them. from I'm their not ways. Really sure. I, ha I have a lot of questions when I look at this um, and then and and, and it look I mean, maybe it's also it says he's preaching without notes and trying to remember what he has preached about. So maybe when he goes to other places, he's looking back like, hey, have I preached on this passage yeah, before? I'm not really sure. All I know is that I still have a lot of questions when I leave this. And we have a serial sermon thief. Yes, we <laughs> because do. Somebody's sitting again. out there with a, a mountain of sermon notes from the 50s. <laughs> 
<laughs> lots and lots of sermons. So I just want to say again, a bunch, a bunch, decades worth of sermons were stolen this week in SBC history in 1959. Yeah. This is so, so this is the one good thing about the cloud, folks, that if your sermons are in the cloud, they can't be just taken. Like if you've got them on, maybe if you've got them on your computer, you've got them in the cloud, somebody can't just steal them where you can't access them again. So yes. that's the, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guarantee you that they were in a bunch of briefcases, like two or three briefcases in his trunk or something. And they, they were locked. And the person that stole them thought that was money. They're just like, they let heavy, me just grab everything. And they just took them. Right. And we'll deal with it later. And then they pried them open later and went, oh, this is disappointing. Or or maybe yeah. the Lord convicted them of their their ways and used the sermons to to bring them to him, which would be a really cool story. Maybe that'll be in a few weeks. We'll, we'll get to that story. And, uh, you know, because these yeah, things aren't quite know. linked in the Baptist press history back in, you know, 1950s or whatever it is. But anyway, on to our resources of the week. One of our favorite weeks of the year to recommend resources, because I think we recommend this resource every year. So I'm going to start it right. off. And, and there's something new, though, today, something new, something big. Yep. That you're going to talk about in a second, but I'm going to start it off. It's Andrew Peterson week here on the podcast because Behold the Lamb of God kicks off this weekend and the live stream is Monday night at seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock central. You can watch the live stream from the Ryman of Andrew Peterson and friends as they present Behold the Lamb of God. So I am not going That's to the right. Ryman this year. I'm going to live stream it at my house because I cannot sit at the Ryman in a comfy chair with my PJs on. And well, I can't and do this that is my house. first year. This is my first year in a long time to not go live. Uh, I have had a few years uh, here and there, but it's not. It, it it isn't coming to the the triangle this year. So we've hosted it at Southeastern, but not every year. A lot of times it's at a church over in Durham, but it didn't. It's just we're we're not on the uh, on the tour list this year. Our area is not. And sometimes I've been able to get to Nashville and to go, but this year it just didn't, didn't work out. So I will be watching the live stream as well. We're going to put that link in the show notes. And for those of you who, if you are, if you've got something going on Monday night and you can't, here's the deal on that live stream, get it you anyway. Purchase it. Yeah. And you, you purchase it. And so maybe you can't watch it while it's happening, but it actually gets captured and it is, you have access to it until January. Yeah. So, uh, so just get it. And then, um, because I think Monday I may be tied up around the, like maybe when it's starting. And so I'm just going to get the live stream. And so I'll either start watching it a little bit delayed or I'll watch it, you know, on Tuesday or something like that. And you could still have the same great experience. So, uh, so we really want to encourage you if you've done it before, you know, how great it is, what a great holiday tradition it is. Um, if you haven't jump onto it this time and it's yeah. very, uh, it's not that expensive no, to 20 do the bucks. live stream, 20 so. bucks to do the yeah. live stream. I mean, it's cheaper to do the live stream than go to the show, Amy, just throwing mm -hmm. it out there. The last show I went to at the Ryman cost me a little bit more than 20 bucks. So yeah, Anyway, it's a good it's a good deal, and the the quality is fantastic. They always do a great job with the stream, so I've never had any issues with it. And I think this is like the fifth or sixth year in a row that we'll do the stream, so it's fantastic. So yep, that's we, great. The, this podcast loves the Behold the Lamb of God performance and uh, the album and everything. So really looking forward to that again. But that's not all from Andrew Peterson this week, Amy. That's right. So Andrew Peterson has uh, he has a number of 
things that he does. He is a uh, singer songwriter. He is heads up the rabbit room. He is also a writer and uh, has written both nonfiction and fiction. Um, but his fiction, it's kind of fantasy fiction that is aimed at children, families, and he has written what's called the wing feather saga. Well, a, a couple of years ago, a project really got started to do an animated series of the wing feather saga that he wrote and it drops today. So it's on the angel app that is uh, angel studios, TV apps. You can get that through Roku, Apple TV, Google TV, fire TV, you can watch it on the web as well. So we're going to put a link in the show notes that shows you how you can do it. Um, also, there are some like YouTube, Facebook account options as well. So Angel app is the very best place, but there are several different opportunities. You can go ahead and watch the uh, season one trailer, even as we record this, but it's supposed to drop tonight. That's December 2nd, 7 p.m. Central time is when it sort of opens up. And there are, I think, I think it starts out with like three episodes. Yes. Dropping, it dropped one episode tonight, Amy. That's right. And then two more, and then two more in December. Yeah. So yeah. another the one on December and the 30th. 16th yeah. and the 30th. And then there will be more that come in February and March. So this is the big night to sort of release. So if you got kids or if you got, you know, family that, that want to watch, and I have seen some kind of sneak peeks of this. So when I w- went to Hutchmoot this year, they did some segments of it. And I'm going to tell you, the animation is incredible. And they got some top-notch uh, actors to do the voiceovers, yeah. like some that I uh, that I recognized from movies and, and things like that. So it is a really, really great project, high yeah. quality. This so, is high very, quality very writing, cool. high quality production. And everything Andrew does is fantastic. And really, really looking forward to this tonight. So uh, the Wing yeah. Feather Saga tonight, 7 o'clock. It debuts on the Angel Studios app. So Angel Studios app, or like you said, on YouTube and Facebook. I think they'll be available there as well. So, all right, that's going to do it for our show this week. One thing before we go, Amy, want to remind everybody, tis the season for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And next week is the week of prayer for international missions across the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offerings popping up around uh, different churches, and our church started mentioning it last week. And uh, if your church is doing that, uh, we encourage you, obviously, to give through your local church. But if your church, for some weird reason, isn't doing um, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, or you just want to give directly to the IMB, you can do that. We'll uh, put a link in the show notes for the IMB and their giving for Lottie Moon Christmas offering. All right. So, Amy, that's going to do it for us this week. Big weekend of football and football. Go USA. Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.